Crowley, a branding badass, and welcome to Branding Matters, a podcast that I created and host to help you create brand equity. Branding Matters is brought to you by Genumark, one of North America's most trusted branded merch makers for over 40 years. Did you know branded merchandise is one of the best ways to create brand awareness? It's true. Whether with your team or your fans, there's no better way to show your appreciation, connect with your audience, and build community than by combining thoughtful design with great products that tell your brand story. When you partner with Genumark, you get more. More personalized service, more creativity, more innovative solutions, and more importantly, you get it all from a talented team of branding experts who have the experience and know-how to make your job easier and best of all, more fun. From promotional products, custom uniforms and clothing, to sports co-branding, web stores and warehousing, Genumark makes it happen. And being ISO certified, you can rest assured knowing ethical sourcing and sustainability are front and center. Genumark is big enough to matter, but small enough to care. So if you're looking for the right partner to help you create brand awareness, email brandingmatters at genumark.com to start your next project today. That's brandingmatters at G-E-N-U-M-A-R-K dot com. My guest today is Margaret Glover Campbell. COO of Virtual Gurus, the largest and most trusted virtual assistant marketplace in North America. What began as a small startup in 2016 has skyrocketed into an award-winning business that puts diversity and inclusion at the forefront of everything they do. A self-confessed science and technology geek, Margaret has built some of North America's most phenomenal, high-performing teams and has worked closely with development groups to build exceptional, award-winning products. I invited Margaret to be a guest on my show today to talk about the social mission of virtual gurus. I wanted to know how a former marketing exec became one of the tech world's most respected leaders. And I was curious to get her point of view on the role Swag plays in creating brand awareness. Margaret, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to Branding Matters. Hey, Jolie. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, it's great. It's so great to see you again. You know, I was thinking about how far back we go. And and honestly, I, I know that our kids went to school, but I couldn't remember which child. So remind me again about how we first met. It actually went back before we had kids. It went back to my agency days. So we're talking 1996. Where were you working? Creative intelligence. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it went way back and then our paths kind of intersected socially at a couple of black and white ball events and you have a good memory. Yeah. And then, so my, our 16 year olds uh, went. Okay. So you're my, so my second, how many kids do you have? Just one. One. Okay. And so he's 16 now? He's 16. Okay. So Aaron is 15. So, and they both went to elementary school together, right? Yeah. Westgate French Immersion. Yeah. So we've been connected in the professional world forever. We were on the agent side. What did you do at Creative Intelligence? I was production manager. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a copywriter back in my copywriting days. Exactly. It's a long time. 
It's been so amazing watching watching you and your career and watching virtual gurus. So this is really fun. And I'm so excited because we haven't really talked in a long time. We've just sort of always crossed paths. And then I work with your team. So let's talk about virtual gurus. I want to get into it because you what an exciting time for you guys. And so much is happening. And it's been such an amazing rise. So like I said, it launched in 2016. And Bobby Ransa is the CEO. And so what inspired her to start it? And then how did you and Bobby connect? So... Like many people in 2016, Bobby was working in the oil and gas world and she got laid off like so many people did back then during the downturn. And she was having a a hard time finding a new role. She was facing barriers because of who she is and how she presents. So Bobby is an LGBTQ2S plus individual. She is also Indigenous And so she was really coming up against barriers. And so she decided to throw an ad into Kijiji and advertising that she could provide virtual assistant services for companies. So she got a couple of clients and then she got a couple more clients. And then she built up a bit of a roster and hired another person to help her on the VA side of things. And then somewhere along the way, she was having a discussion with uh, somebody in the tech world, and they asked her if she'd ever consider turning this into like a tech startup. And that was the beginning of the journey. And so she went through an accelerator, was paired with one of her current mentors. He's also on our board. And they, they've been together forever now. So Ryan's his name. He's been along for the journey since the beginning. And then a mutual friend of ours saw me one day and said, hey, I have a client who's looking for a COO. And I think that you'd be perfect for it. I said, well, fire an intro away. So she did. And Bobby and I met and clicked right away. She loves to tell everybody I cried during the interview when she started talking about. Did you really? Started. I really did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, When she was telling me all about her social mission, right, and everything that she wants to do to provide meaningful income earning opportunities for people who represent outside of the traditional nine to five. So people that you can think of that are traditionally underrepresented in the work world. And so, yeah, I, I started to cry and I kind of turned around and said, give me one second, found a tissue, dabbed my eyes, <laughs> went back. Okay. I'm good now. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that was almost three years ago. And then I started in January of 2020. With That's Bobby. amazing. So that was her mission right from the start. And so what were right you from. doing at the time when she approached you or when you approached her? I was working for another company up in Edmonton. And this just ticked so many boxes um, getting back into I was, I was with a uh, nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And so getting back into the tech, the startup world was really exciting for me. Taking that COO role was really exciting for me. As you know, and as we've kind of talked about my background, I did start in marketing and advertising 30 some years ago. That was crazy. It is crazy. We both started when we were 12, right? (laughs) Exactly. I think I was nine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so just uh, really loved the idea of tackling the COO role for a startup and really putting 
all of my background in marketing and people operations and product and the whole thing around growth into into play. So how exciting. Yeah, it's been such an amazing ride personally for me. And, you know, just being able to connect the uh, different people in my life that are from an LGBT or identify as LGBT, it really resonated. One of one of my passions since I moved into tech has been about seeing more women get into tech roles. Um, I was at a mobile event, I don't know, 16 years ago, maybe 17 years ago. And there were a couple of hundred people in the room and there were only five women. And I thought this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So that's really stuck with me. And so that's one of my personal passions as well is women in technology and women in leadership roles in tech. And, you know, you don't have to be a developer to be in tech, right? A marketing person is, is in tech if they work in a tech startup. That's amazing. Okay. So let's talk about the early, back to the early stages. When you think about it, I mean, it was 2016, the world, everything has changed and the world has changed. So at the beginning and your company has changed, obviously, but at the beginning in the early days, you had some serious struggles trying to raise capital. Can you share why investors or potential investors were initially shied away from investing? Yeah. You know, I think that Bobby experienced the same thing in her pre-seed as she did when she was trying to find that role after the oil and gas layoff. She took 170 meetings. Like if you can imagine 170 times to pitch the business. And when you meet Bobby, Bobby is who she is right? She and I both are, right? It's, this is who you get, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, she'd go into some of these meetings and you could see a shift when she walked into the meeting. You could see a shift in the behavior or the receptiveness of the people on the other side of the table. And so- Like a negative shift. A negative shift. And it was really a struggle. I don't know if you know the podcast, The Pitch. She was invited to New York to do the pitch. And it's it's a Dragon's Den style mm-hmm. thing, right? But it's on podcast rather than video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every one of them turned her down. And the the most interesting comment from a few of them was that they didn't see the opportunity for us to scale. They didn't because we're, we're people intensive, obviously, right? We have currently 600 virtual assistants providing admin support for our clients. So yeah, they were like this, there's, it's not scalable. (laughs) So Mm. Bobby and I were like, Hmm, watch us. (laughs) (laughs) But when we spoke with Raven indigenous, they were our lead investor on our pre-seed and They're a fund out of BC who specifically focuses on providing funding for Indigenous-led, Indigenous-owned, Indigenous-first businesses. So once we talked to them and really understood that there's this niche around social impact investing that we could, because of our social mission, really tap into. And so once we did that, the way smoothed out incredibly. Hmm. So I read a really interesting quote, because of course, I do my research. And I read that you compared Virgil Gurus to Patagonia, which I I love the Patagonia brand, first of all. So can you elaborate a bit on that? 
Yeah. And this is, this was a, a discussion with one of our sales team members. And as we're talking about marketing and branding and what resonates with our target audience, my parallel was around Patagonia. So the sales team member loves Patagonia and buys Patagonia because of their social mission, right? So he's 100% bought into what they're trying to do in the world and he likes their gear. I knew about Patagonia before their social mission was probably widely known. And so I bought Patagonia because I love their gear and have come to love their social mission. So we were really talking about it in relation to what do people like when clients engage with us or virtual assistants engage with us, are they coming to us because of our social mission or are they coming to us because of what we do? Right. And, and really as a company, how do we make sure that we are talking to both of those audiences so that if people are really interested in supporting the economic growth in Canada and the US, if people are really invested in DEI and ESG and all of those fun buzzwords that everybody talks about now, you know, that's a different segment from an audience perspective than people who are strictly looking for a virtual assistant or a virtual assistant who's strictly looking for employment opportunities. For that one person out there who doesn't know, what is the Patagonia social mission? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> You're going to ask me. Um, it's all about a healthy planet. And if you look at their sustainability mission and what they what they do from um, a manufacturing perspective around their tech gear, what they do from an upcycling and recycling perspective around their gear, right? It's, so it's all really, really focused on having a clean world and, yeah. you know, this whole, this beautiful, clean planet to explore. So, so that's their social mission. Yeah, I and, probably and said it completely wrong, but no, 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 you no, 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 you did it very eloquently. You did it perfectly, and again, that's a company that's had that mission for years. Now it seems all these companies are trying to jump on the bandwagon, and you're hearing like all these buzzwords everywhere. And the reality is, I mean, Gen Zs are now entering the workforce, right? I mean, can you believe millennials are now in their forties? People, people refer to millennials like they're so young. I'm like, yeah, they're not so young. They're in their. I, mean, I don't even want to say what I'm Gen Z. I'm Gen you, X. You and I are the same. God, yeah, we're Gen X. So, but now you know, Gen Zs, the newest generation entering the workforce. I mean, their whole mission is all about that. It's aligning themselves with brands and with businesses that they want to see behind the curtain. They want to see what your social mission is. They want to see all that. It's a lot more than just the product or service. And I think that's one of the main reasons why all these companies and all these brands are starting to tap into that and really share. I mean, you see it everywhere. You see it on advertising. You see it all over social media. But then it's who is doing it for the dollar and who's actually doing it because that is they're being authentic and that's their mission and that's their purpose. And again, I go back to you guys back in 2016 when nobody was talking about it. That was Bobby's. That was at the top of her idea for doing this business. That's what branding is all about. It's about differentiating yourself and doing things internally within your organization as well as externally that's going to align with them and that's going to connect with them and they're going to buy into your brand and exactly. would you agree with that i totally would we're having so many conversations right now with enterprise size clients or potential clients 
who they know that at the core of what they're doing, they need to be able to bring ESG into what they're doing. And I don't know if you've ever looked at the ESG framework and what it takes to really get those metrics in place, but it is onerous. And so when we can come in and talk about how ESG factors into what we do, so all of our virtual assistants, because they work from home, if you think about 600 people not commuting every day and what that does to the carbon footprint. Those are the types of things that when we talk to companies, they're like, oh, I get that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you bring in the diversity and inclusion piece of things and the commitment to the economy in Canada and the United States. There are all these factors at play that really do help us differentiate from other companies. Right. Yeah, because there's lots of other virtual assistant companies out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And more by the day. I know. (laughs) So staying on the whole branding thing, I mean, obviously swag is my world and I'm very passionate about it. And I've gotten to work with Mona on your team and we've done some a lot of fun things with you guys. So tell let's talk about your swag. Why is it so important to you guys? We do a lot of it, which is fun. Why do you do it? And why is it so important to the brand? So we don't want just another t-shirt with our logo on it, right? We really want to be able to represent who we are. So we rebranded a year ago now, and all of our swag and merchandise features our North Star. So our new logo has an asterisk in it, and the asterisk is our North Star. And it's meant to represent all of the underrepresented talent that we have on our BA side of things. So that features prominently. So all of our new t-shirts that we just had done, right? We had women's and men's done. And the women's have all of the stars down on the front with the logo on the back. And the guys' t-shirts have the nice virtual gurus down the side. And so it like it stands out, right? And and it's colorful and it's approachable. So, you know, whenever we wear that, I know our team feels an immense sense of pride. We have so many people, our our hoodies, which I think was the first thing that you did with us for our new brand, <laughs> the number of people who are like, can I buy one of those? Right? They, and our virtual assistants are like, uh, can we give those away as swag prizes to the VA team? Right? So there's this demand because we really seek to represent how do I say this? We really try and represent, we think we're a pretty hip, cool company, right? Like totally. we're, right where that whole authenticity piece yeah. show up as you are. You know? yeah. And so that whole culture piece is something that we want to reflect in our swag, right? So how do we, how we show up, you know, our hoodies with the, the black hoodies with the white virtual gurus down the sleeve. Again, it's something that not everybody does, it's different. It's not crazy, 
right? They're not propeller hats with a logo on them, something like that. I did those right? years ago, actually. It's funny you say that. I know. Many years ago. You know what? I I love that you said that because really what I'm hearing is that they, they're creating a sense of community. I mean, I see, I love when you guys post and all your team are wearing all the hoodies or all the t-shirts and that sense of pride and that sense of community. And I think that's what it does. It builds it up, right? In a way that is fun. And I, I'm constantly, when I'm talking to clients saying, you know, you don't have to necessarily put a logo on it. You could put something fun on it because people are more apt to wear it if the logo maybe isn't so prominent but there's other things that are more prominent that are fun and so I love everything that you just said and and I see it because I see your teams they're all wearing them and I love that they want to steal them and take them right that's the ultimate test when someone says can I steal that can I buy that then you know exactly so what advice would you have for a small company or a company that's listening as far as when they're looking to get branded merchandise or swag you know I think personally I would stay away from going to kind of the big box promo companies who produce like hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of the same item with different logos right talk to somebody like you who I'm not paying her by the way no she's not paying me (laughs) but considering how far we go back right yeah I I say there's a trust there um well trust I like that you said that because that's huge right right that's all about relationships it is absolutely but so really seek out somebody who can work with you to get to the heart of your brand and your culture whatever you're doing make sure that it's something that your team is going to want to wear, right? I see so many people with shirts with logos on it and they're horrible fabric and right. Like cheap, cheap. You wouldn't go and you wouldn't go and buy that generally. Right. So if it's a small company that has a limited budget, find something that truly speaks to who you want your people or how you want your people to represent and what you think is going to resonate with them. So so I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Great advice. I love that. Okay, so I want to talk a bit more about technology. I read that you put a lot of the company's success down to being run out of Calgary's thriving supportive tech industry, quote unquote. So I love that Calgary has a thriving tech industry because that's pretty new, right? I mean, we've been known as the oil town for, I moved here in 90, oh gosh, I moved here in 94, I think. And I mean, it was boomtown oil. What's been the biggest change that you've seen in the Calgary tech scene since you've been in it? Yeah. And, what, and, and it's, it's I guess I have massive. two part question. Sorry. And then why do you think it's changed? Why do you think all of a sudden now it's become that tech ecosystem? Yeah. So I flipped client side into a tech company from the agency world in 1999, 2000. And at the time, you know, you could count the number of tech companies in Calgary on your hands, right? There just, there weren't that many of them. The Alistair Ross Technology Center, which is up by the university, was the hub and still to some extent is is still the hub for a lot of what happens in the tech world. But there was a very small organization who was the, you know, they were the representative kind of arm of the tech collective in Calgary. But again, it was small. There was a report that came out a few months ago that I believe has Calgary, it's either Calgary or Alberta, with 3,000 tech 
startups and scale ups. So if you can imagine going from 10 to 20 tech startups 22 years ago to 3,000 today, if you look at the number of unicorns that we have in Calgary, right? We have Benevity, we have Cement, we have Shareworks by Morgan Stanley, we have Neo Financial, right? There's there are all of these massive, massive Good lawyer, companies. Helsum. Well, exactly, right? They're <laughs> not all unicorns, my clients. But, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they're not unicorns, but they're yeah. definitely in the tech ecosystem, yeah. right? Yeah. And so exactly, like you look at what Brett at Good Lawyer is doing, and you look at what Vince over at Stellar Algo is doing, and what Bobby is doing, right? And there's just this energy around really setting ourselves apart. And, you know, it's, it truly is amazing, like for me to think back to 2000 and, and think about how few companies there were. And, and they were, you know, they were almost all, or at least the ones I knew about, were almost all kind of R&D type of extensions out of the university. So very much moving from this is what we're doing in the lab to productizing. But now that's not happening, right? You've got, again, I'll, I'll pick on Brett because he's a friend of mine too. Right? Oh, is and he? So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Shout out to so, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> Brett Colson. <laughs> so Brett was a lawyer and mm-hmm. he's like, I don't want to do this. I think there's a way that we can change the paradigm around giving B2B companies access to affordable uh, B2B startups access to affordable legal assistance. And he did it, right? And, you know, Brett and I were actually in a sales cohort together six or seven years ago, just when he was getting started. And, you know, it's it's just amazing. That it's amazing this, Right? And people saying, do you know what? Like, there's a, there's a level of grit that just wasn't there before. Bobby will talk about how you know, she had $300 in her pocket and had to go to her mom's to ask them for a loan to get the company going, right? So there's there's a lot of that happening. The VC world, the funding, you know, the seed and the, the Series A type backers, financial backers, that ecosystem has dramatically, dramatically changed. So why though? Like, what do you think it was? Do you think it's the, do you think it's, I mean, it's the demographics that's happening everywhere in the world because the new generation is more tech savvy or do you think, I mean, the pandemic had some to do it. Do you think it's a mixture of everything? Like, no, I think it shifted a bit before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I think back to a tech company I was at 16 years ago, we were publicly traded. We were a small tech company, but Every single one of our funders came from Toronto, right? Mm. And it was a battle to get them to look at putting money into our company rather than oil and gas. You know, I think that there was a tipping point at some point along the way where the tech scene and the tech founders in Calgary started to show that we don't need money from the oil and gas typical investor because they were proving that they could be successful. So there was a bit of a paradigm shift there. And then you start to see companies becoming successful and those people turning that success into angel investing and then 
VC companies, right? And so that ecosystem kind of grew up alongside of the success that was built up in the uh, in the tech startup world. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very exciting. And there's an area now in Calgary, and forgive me, I don't remember the name. Do you know the area I'm talking about where now it's the little tech hub where there's restaurants? Yeah, platform. What's it called? Platform. Yeah. Platform. I was there for dinner the other night. I can't remember the name. What's that restaurant? Kama or something? Anyway. And mm-hmm. so I was talking to the waitress and she was telling us how that is. It's all tech companies that are all in there and they're growing. And so it's a really exciting time. Do you know Alistair Shepard Cross by any chance? I do know Alistair. I have to, I have to give a shout out <laughs> to Alistair because T-Mit, his business, well, he has two, Agile, yep. company, but T-Mit, um, and he's married to one of my best friends. So shout out oh, to Alistair awesome. Shepard Cross. Yeah. So yeah. do you and, know his wife and lives Minnie. No, I don't know oh, Liz, but I know okay. Minnie, his partner um, at Teamit and Agile. So, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, and I—that's everything I find—is that the whole tech community is so small, and they're all so supportive. I mean, back to Brett, a good lawyer again. I mean, they had that cruise right in Toronto. I did all their banners yeah. and everything for that cruise. And I remember when they ordered them, like, we need a big banner for a big boat. <laughs> and, but it was so nice to see all the te- tech companies on that cruise in Toronto with the mayor and everything. And there's that real community again back to that sense of community and there's be calgary being representative in this world stage on this yacht cruise not to rub it in that you weren't there or anything no i know right i totally had fomo about the oh yacht i know that I didn't get to go on but kudos to them it looked like such a great event so absolutely yeah so fun okay so before we go i do have one last question we've been talking a lot about tech so what advice would you give if you had some top three tips to give some young entrepreneur, some startup person, what would you tell them based on all the experience that you've gone through? It's a great question. So I think the first thing, and this has actually happened to me twice or three times in the last week alone, where I've had new companies reach out to me and, uh, or reach out to people that they knew that knew me and ask me for some mentoring and advice. So I think that's the first thing. Figure out who in your network can connect you to other people in the tech scene. Um, Don't be afraid to ask for those introductions. Don't be afraid to say, hey, can we go for coffee or lunch and really try and tap into what people who've been doing this for a while and, and, uh, you know, ask them those questions. So don't be afraid of that. Take advantage of the talent that we have in Calgary, because even though we're crazy busy, you know, I will make a half an hour available to go for a coffee. And I think anybody that I know in the ecosystem will do the same thing, right. Mm -hmm. And, and really be able to offer that advice. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, you know, going back to how the ecosystem has evolved. If you think about the fact that there's platform and thin air labs and rainforest and right there's there are all of these support organizations that are out there that true and Calgary economic development right there there are all these groups who are out there and wanting to help build up the ecosystem right we want Calgary to be known as this amazing place for people to come and live you look at where we're at on the livability scale like we we talk everybody else in in Canada now. So being able to make that known worldwide can't happen with a, you know, one small tech founder. But if you tap into all of those resources that are there to support, that's 100% I would do that, right? They they host events, you can make 
excellent connections through there. There's opportunities to go through accelerators and all of that through all of those different groups. So that would be the second thing. And I think there was probably a third that I kind of rolled in there as well related to that, right? Around we are seeing a burgeoning number of accelerators and incubators and startup and scale up support programs. So as a new entrepreneur, tap into those resources because you're going to learn where you're working in your business alongside a bunch of other people in your cohort who are doing the same things, struggling with the same things to get started. And so you're you're learning from these amazing entrepreneurs who've been there, done that in a very scheduled way, right? And And so you can learn and take away all of those things that, uh, you know, like Brett might be one of the people that comes in and talks about what do you need to know from a legal perspective around incorporating your business? We might go in and talk about, okay, so don't go out and hire 20 people and blow your entire budget. Look at what fractional support can do for you and, and how that fits into your growth plans. So, Take advantage of those of those other programs that are out there because there's just so much knowledge that can be gained through that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's all great advice. And I'm going to add one thing to that. Going full circle to the very beginning, I would say be tenacious because I love yes. that you said that Bobby went and got turned down. How many times did you say? Like 300? 170. 170, right? So yeah. tenacity pays off. And I love that because I think that is whether you're in business by yourself or you're in sales, I think if you really are passionate and believe in what you're doing and what your mission is and your purpose, it's going to happen just like it happened for you guys. So don't give up. So I think that's a great way to end it. So thank you so much. It's been so nice to see you and talk with you. If people want to learn more about virtual gurus and about you, Margaret, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So our website is thevirtualgurus.com. All of our contact information is on there and uh, you can you can reach out to us and the email system on the website routes to the appropriate person that you want to speak to. And me, you can find me on LinkedIn at Margaret Glover Campbell. I don't believe there's any hyphens in my LinkedIn account. And on Twitter, I ramble all over the place on Twitter, though it's not strictly <laughs> not strictly a business uh, account, but that's at m underscore g underscore c. Okay, and are you anywhere else? Are you on Instagram or TikTok or any of those other ones? No. no. <laughs> is your son? Is he into TikTok or any of that, or not really? He loves watching TikTok. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's the same thing with my son you know that age they like watching but he doesn't he's not on there either so that yeah. I know of I think exactly. my kids might have some ghost accounts that they won't let me follow them on <laughs> I right? absolutely think she does <laughs> oh great well again thank you again it was so nice to talk to you and um, I'm so excited for your business and can't wait to see where things go next awesome thanks Julie this has been such a fun conversation okay we'll talk soon okay bye. thanks bye bye And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like help creating brand awareness for your business, please reach out to me on any of the social platforms under, you guessed it, 
Branding Badass. I promise you, I reply to all my messages. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson. Also me. So thank you again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.